signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet, and uh, producing the Fanboy Planet podcast from the undisclosed location we call the Brett Cave. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, indeed. And uh, so thank you for listening. As this is, uh, as I believe I've said, we probably not the last podcast before Halloween, but October is a scary month in that uh, we tend to focus on scary things. So tonight will be a Halloween pop culture extravaganza can we call these an extravaganza I think it's just like a it's like a special update a small celebration yeah. uh i'm not opening a bottle of champagne or anything but i might uh, be drinking I smell blood. pumpkin spice latte uh that could be i did make pumpkin spice chili oh jeez, really I, I got from sir latab that uh, sounds scary no it was really good it was okay. very subtle very very subtle pumpkin spice but that's the point. You can put pumpkin spice into anything. I'm sorry, people. It's there. Get over it. So uh, before we get into I do want to say, of course, that if we talk about something on this podcast that you would like to buy in terms of comics or books, uh, you know, we are an Amazon affiliate. And anything that we can link to Amazon, we will, which means that if you purchase anything through a link on the site, Fanboy Planet, on each and every page, there's a search box, and there are sometimes direct links in the podcast pages. Uh, it could generate revenue for us. And if you'd like to join the conversation, I would love. I'm totally open for any uh, horror movie recommendations. Uh, whether I have the moment, the time to take them, I I don't know. But I do like hearing about things that I, I have missed. So uh, you can uh, follow us on Facebook on Twitter and Instagram at Fanboy Planet. And, of course, you can write into that thing called email, which apparently only I still use, uh, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, and before we get even further into this, I do want to acknowledge uh, part of a conversation, but more of a support for a longtime listener who has supported us. Uh, I had been unaware that there were some problems happening for uh Listener Forrest Elam, who comments a lot and has been at most of our live shows when we used to do those at Seven Stars. I think you're right. Yeah, and uh, Forrest and and his wife are unfortunately dealing with some some difficult times. So, hey, Forrest, I, I know you listen, and I just want to say, uh, you know, we are thinking about you, and I and I hope that the situation works out as well as it can. And uh, you know, so here we go. Marvel on Disney Plus. Uh, released the long-awaited Halloween special. I love that they did that. We're going to get a holiday special from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, but on the holiday. You know, you know yeah. what? I I don't think uh, it'll be Life Day. Uh, I I don't think I will enjoy it as much as I probably did would have and will again of the Halloween special, which I hope stays up all year round. Because I, I think enjoys the wrong word. Appreciate it. 
I, I, I'm not going to appreciate, I think I'm going to enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy thing, but there's a lot to appreciate in Werewolf by Night. Yeah, that uh, we've got the directorial debut of Michael Giacchino, who is, has scored many of the Marvel movies a, a, as a composer and uh, played a directorial hand. And as you might expect, you know, I think it was a very lush, can we say that for a black and white film, you know? Oh, yeah. Marvel more, I mean, I think they've had to get away because you're kind of running away, uh, you're running out of genres to set, Uh, not just, you know, characters, but genres, you know, for each film. Like, you know, uh, Winter Soldier was a a Cold War thriller, basically. And uh, I do think that... um, there was an attempt with Age of Ultron to be almost like a hammer horror film in terms of it's a lot of dealing with European villages. Yeah. And it wasn't so much blood, but it was a, a feel while still doing this narrative. Because of the characters used in this one, we are, of course, talking about Werewolf by Night. And it so obviously lent itself to universal horror. In particular, I would say. Universal classic, Studios horror. Universal Studios horror, Yes. I, I'm sorry because I, I see the logo all over the place as it is Halloween and I'm down in Burbank of just universal monsters. And it is that it is not that these monsters are universal. It's that these monsters are owned by universal. And uh, so anyway, it is definitely in that style because we should also say these monsters are owned by Disney. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it is interesting. Because is this Disney's first real horror film? Uh, well, if you say, okay, Disney, I consider the black hole to sort of be a horror film. Mm -hmm. Like I just recently watched, um, event, event horizon yeah, and realized that event horizon was dealing with many, I'd have never, you know, I'd never seen that one before, but dealing with many of the same concepts as the black hole. So I think the black hole was meant to be uh, sci-fi and it's kind of their take on star Wars. But when you get down to it, they kind of end up in hell. So, not kind of. Well, they end up in hell. They pass through hell. Space hell. And, you know, so that's sort of on it. Uh, they did Something Wicked This Way Comes. They did, which I think is kind of, I don't know, it was edited to death. Uh, there was a movie in like 81 or 82 with Betty Davis called The Watcher in the Woods. Okay. That was meant to be horror. I don't think it worked. And there is, of course, there's kind of like a, a lost short, which because apparently it scared some people in at least marketing. Uh, there's a Mickey Mouse short called Runaway Brain that is like a Frankenstein story, and, and uh, Kelsey Grammer is the mad scientist in it. It was shown briefly. It's been on a couple of home video releases, but currently you can't, I guess, legally find it anywhere. Uh, I know that doesn't quite count, but I, I think they were meant to be kind of fun in the same way that I think for all it delving into Universal Studios horror, that uh, Werewolf by Night is fun. And, you know, I, I do want to, I, I watched it again because you had said you'd watch it a couple of times. So I watched it again and felt like, oh, that counted as my horror movie for the night. But <laughs> what I really, I appreciated the first time and again is the production design feels, it's a more obscure uh, horror film for for Universal, but have you ever seen The Black Cat with Karloff yes. and Lugosi? Yes. I love the set design on that movie, mm-hmm. 
And that's what Werewolf by Night felt, but with obviously a very modern twist. But again, it was a feeling like it was almost a, a dark fairy tale. These sets are very clearly artificial, but, but well done. So don't get me wrong. They don't look chintzy. They, oh, no. <clears throat> but when you get to Ulysses Bloodstone's uh, compound and you have that kind of overhead shot of it they all. They do a, a loving pan across that room. And yes. even, like the light fixtures are just going, I've never seen light fixtures like that, but I know I've seen light fixtures like that. Well, and and, and the heads of trophy monsters yes. on the wall. So uh, a friend did ask me, uh, and I know he listens to Mark Roper, so I'm calling out another listener. Mark Roper's, aside from correcting me, by the way, from the Andor episode, that it's, it's Coruscant, not Coruscant, or Coruscant, as I think I called it. Uh. So, yeah, I'm schooled. And if anybody can school me, it's the guy that I spent the night in line with to watch Return of the Jedi on opening day. But uh, And that was Mark. Uh, but anyway, he asked me if one of the heads on the walls was barren blood. And I think it's that kind of vampire. Yeah, and and the werewolf or Jack said he had tussled with him a few times, so there's an implication of that. I think in the sketches that they showed up top with, I mean, well, this, this is, is definitely a sketch of the werewolf head that's on the wall. Yes, but I, but I think the Wendigo is in one of the the parchments that they yes. go across. So some classic Marvel monsters and some sort of created for this. Yeah. Well, Ulysses Bloodstone is definitely fighting a Wendigo in one of the, one of the early yes, sketches. Yes. And I love that you've got that touch. It's almost like the beginning of did Orson Welles narrate the, the film version of war of the worlds, because I felt that taking it down from the Avengers into the darker Bloodstone area the only disappointment I have in setting it at Bloodstone's uh, Manor is by not actually giving us a live Ulysses Bloodstone, because certainly that was a character I really liked as oh, a kid. Oh, yeah, and I didn't like the fact that they made him kind of into a dick, you know? the Yes, he was. <laughs> that was another interesting design. That was their way of getting the Marvel version of the Frankenstein monster in. Yeah. Because he has that scar across the top that looks like, you know, so, yeah... That was bizarre, but then I accept that that these are not my versions, you know, right. or the, rather, they're not. None of them are mine. I don't own any of them. Uh, they that they are uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe version, and it's right. created for a new. And as far as Marvel's concerned, Ulysses Bloodstone does not matter. Elsa does. Elsa right. is the one that they can that they can uh, market, and you know she's the one that appears. I think I bought. I just ordered the trade paperback that collects many of Elsa's appearances. And I remember at the beginning of the 21st century, I think they had even intended to turn Elsa, uh, they had a deal with T, uh, TNT when they did the Blade series. They were going to do an Elsa Bloodstone series as well. Hmm. And that didn't happen because Blade didn't do well. But uh, if anybody remembers that, I think eight episodes of Blade were on, on, on TV. So good trivia question. We get to say like, who was the, once we get, uh, the new blade film, which I think this is a setup for, uh, you know, how many Definitely. actors have played, yeah. have played blade live. So, um, yeah. So that's the production design. How about the characters? So it was interesting that they had a number of characters that in all my research do not exist in Marvel canon. A noteworthy character. I don't think any of the hunters besides uh, Jack um, 
You mean David Bowie was not a monster hunter? No, in- he wasn't. And and actually, that was the one I was pretty sure had been in a Wolverine miniseries, but it turned out not to have been the same character. You know what I think, the way they made that one up, and I'm sure if you've seen Werewolf by Night, you know which hunter I am referring to. I almost thought it was like there it was a joke being a negative Morbius. Like they knew oh, that yeah, Morbius was going to be a weird movie and probably probably not going to do well. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> uh, you know, on, te- on Netflix, Morbius is not bad. It's, it's, it's not great, but I think, you know, the pressure on it, the problems with it is we get, we want everything to tie into some kind of continuity yeah. and it just, it doesn't work for a character like Morbius on screen. It's like talking about Batman uh, in the movies. It was why we have Robert Pattinson and we have another character you know another actor playing him for crossovers with others because you know what batman works best alone so does morbius but anyway back to the werewolf by night because he does not necessarily work on his best at his best alone uh he is perhaps best known in contrast to the television series character that disney plus keeps telling me i want to watch after i finish watching werewolf by night but i've already watched it which was moon knight right Moon Knight first appeared in Werewolf by Night. And it is interesting to me, you know, yes, you've got all these these hunters. I do want to call out the Scottish one. Uh, the, he, the, was, he was the biggest scenery eater. But do you know who he is? Where no, you've I don't. Seen, where you've seen him elsewise? No. You've seen him twice in Star Trek. Okay. He is the punk that... Oh, no, I do know that, that one, Spock yeah. Uh, you know, gave the nerve pinches in, in Star on the Trek bus. Four and in Picard years later. Yeah, but more importantly, why I want to call out Kirk Thatcher making his on-screen de- uh, de- acting debut, you know, speaking role, and trying that big brogue is we owe Kirk Thatcher a debt of thanks because he did another great uh, Disney Halloween thing, which was the Muppets Haunted Mansion. He was the director of that. Oh. And seems to me to be possibly, if Disney was smart, would be the guy steering the Muppets moving forward for television projects at least. But great to see him there. But it was interesting. Like I think it was unclear this Hunter part. Like if they if the, if the winner was supposed to lead them all, why were they why all they trying all? to kill each other? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, these are the things that you kind of go well. In a comic book, you don't really ask those questions. I know. I know, because I feel like that's, uh, I get it. And it it was just goofy and it was fun. And I was surprised that they went with Jack Russell by casting Gail Garcia Bernal. Yes. uh, uh, Who, you know, they have, Jake Gomez is currently the werewolf by night. Uh, it's a character. So if you were to walk into a comic shop or go onto an Amazon link, uh, there's a trade paperback that says called werewolf by night. That is a character created by, uh, Benjamin Jackendoff. Although Benjamin, I think Ben, I think goes by B Earl when he writes B Earl, uh, Jackendoff and taboo of the black eyed peas. And Scott Eaton was the artist and so Jake Gomez is half Mexican, half Native American, specifically right. of, of the, the Hopi tribe. Right. And I thought, oh, when they cast Gabriel Garcia Bernal, oh, they're just going to go with a new one. I'm fine with that because you know what? The original Werewolf by Night, let's let's admit it, his name is 
just a really bad joke. He's yes. a Jack Russell. He's literally Jack Russell. And that, that they called him Jack was... And Which he is a type of terrier dog. Yes. But I don't want to be that pedantic. I think if people know, they know. You know, that's it well, was a joke. Please, everybody knows Jack Russell. Because of Frazier. did not know. Back to Kelsey Grammer. Moose. Yes. Eddie. Eddie, the, the Jack Russell terrier. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it was just kind of interesting... It was a, a great choice for casting because Gael Garcia Bernal, like his apparently best friend, Diego Luna, who was Andor, mm-hmm. uh, Cassian Andor, uh, you know, they both have this look of innocence and friendliness. They can be hard. They, yeah. can, they can be mean if they have to be, but that's not their default personality. And I think he, what you're he's... trying to sell a, a tortured, well, he's not really that tormented. You know, it's very clear. He thinks he's got it under control. Right. He's not hurting people anymore. He did not take into account the powers of the bloodstone. But anyway, uh, you know, the, the, they both have this really open, friendly thing. And, and I am reminded that, and I've been scolded online, that I've never actually seen the film that they became friends on and debuted in, which was E2 Mama Tambien. And so I, you know, I love the use of him. I'm just still surprised that it's not uh, Jake Gomez. But, you know, whatever. Again, as I have to keep reminding myself, many, many more people will see this special than will ever read Werewolf by Night. Right. You know, so I get it. Either version, whether it be the long run with Jack Russell or or the end one in the Legion, who is the one in Legion of Monsters, which I think is what they're building towards. You get, uh, I will will say, uh, the character that they refer to as Ted, right. which bothered me. But then I realized, oh no, no, not that he was there, but that they only called him Ted. But there's a couple of things for the old fanboys to remember. Uh, I realized in 2022, uh, there's one former contributor to the podcast, Lon Lopez, who never fails to make a joke about the name Man Thing. Worse that Ted's last name is Cialis. I mean, Salas. But still, you know, you can't you can't share that. You know, I mean, you can't right. trademark that. Disney probably would like to move away. You can call a man thing in the comics, but they'd rather just say, oh, isn't that funny that this big green swampy monster who apparently likes sushi uh, is, uh, you know, is just named Ted. So I had forgotten that Ted was given... Uh, back his sense of uh, his sentience about five or six years ago they did a miniseries that restored ted to being aware but for 40 years 50 years from his first appearance the the great tragedy about man thing was that he had no recollection he had no thoughts he would just shamble he was a shambling he was an empath an empath drawn to emotion which worked but they didn't really explain it, but that's okay. Because look, all that matters is whosoever knows fear burns at the man things touch. Right. You didn't know, need to know that was the reason. You just needed to know that the bad guys were set on fire when Ted touched them. So I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, once I got over that, like, oh, I remembered, yes, it has changed. So I loved seeing him. And it was so much better than that terrible, terrible, terrible Australian movie. Uh, the, oh yeah! You know, oh, the, the makeup, the makeup, and the 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 emotions that he was able to get across were just 
fabulous. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we can call it makeup. The prosthetics, the the auto well, animatronics, the CG. I I don't know. The the the, the illusion. The illusion. Let's call it that because yeah. I, I I would say what I also, no pun intended, marveled at, but loved in this was that many of the effects just seemed very practical, and I love seeing that. You know, so. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, what can we say? Great setup, great, great fun with these characters. Elsa Bloodstone, they cast her a little older than I expected. She doesn't look like the, I mean, she's dressed like it, but she looks more yeah. like, uh, Jessica Jones. The actress. She had a definite Jessica Jones vibe going on. Yeah. She looked a lot like Kristen Ritter. Uh, and I'm blanking on her, on the actress's name, but I know she's, uh, been Tony nominated. She's very well known on stage. So I think it's, you know, great giving her this, uh, this role and, and, and assume that she, uh, Jack at least, and probably Ted would appear in blade. Although Blade has been delayed a little bit because they just lost their director. You but, know, I, I, I have to bring this up. You mentioned 50 years. And it is this October is the 50th anniversary of the advent of Man-Thing in Adventure into Fear. Wow. Which what came that's, from Fear magazine. So that's which, what I thought. Okay. Oddly enough, I loved the old monster magazines. And when Marvel started reprinting them in Fear, I was reading that, that set from one. So it just came across Man Thing as this is the book I buy, because yeah, he was it was he didn't get his own book for a while. Yes, and but all of it's available it, it, by the way. To this month, exactly fifty years. I, all of it is available in the very very heavy Man Thing omnibus. Yes. So, <laughs> which I have purchased, uh, which also has the weird tie-in, and I think it comes from Adventures into Fear, that even though I think she'd appeared first in Captain Marvel. Uh, Capt. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's not. I. It's Mockingbird. The she appeared first in Adventure into Fear. Bobby. Really. Bobby she, Morris. Bobby Nor- Morris. Morris. She, Morris. She appears as something else. Uh, you know, oh, she could she, be. She's given a different role. Like she's There's a tie back to a lot of government agencies in that. Right. Ted, right. Ted was working for. Um, they were trying to reproduce the super, super Yeah, so theorem. she first appears as a scientist's girlfriend, and then she's revealed to have been uh, an undercover agent. And then, you know, later someone picked up the thread and used her name for Mockingbird and the character there. So yeah. it is, I mean, that's how, you know, weirdly wound. Not, I'm not even going to say tightly wound. Weirdly wound that, uh, you know, Marvel Universe is, and of course, you know, why I have always held man thing near and dear to my heart is because that's why we have Howard the duck of all characters that Howard the duck first appeared in, I think it's adventures into fear stepped out of the nexus in the swamp and, uh, with a cigar and a gun because Steve Gerber thought that would be funny. And then that became the first Marvel movie. <laughs> I'm going to count, you know, a couple other notices about that. Who was the original penciler for man thing? Who do we, who do we, get to uh award the creation of this character to it's going to be somebody weird it's not val mayrick though that no it's not mayrick was later yeah but the penciler was howard shaken the inker was gray morrow you know that's one of the best pedigrees yeah you could possibly i mean howard shaken at the beginning of his career 
but definitely, you know, there's always a power. I mean, you look back and you just go, there's a power to Chaikin's pencils from the beginning. Uh-huh. And so that's, and I didn't, and Gray Morrow, who was one of the best inkers in the business too. Yeah. I, I didn't know that, uh, you know, be, I've read it. Uh, it's been a while and I, I just forgotten that. So that's, Oh, I, I hope Howard gets a, you know, gets a little kickback. Probably not, but uh, he got his name in the credits. Probably. Uh, you I know. didn't see. I'm going to go back and look. No, I, I I don't know. I mean, I just thought that like, uh, you know, not to, don't want to talk about it this week. Uh, but you know, saw Black Adam last night, and the amount of characters creators thanked, and it's oh. really cool. Yeah. And one or two uh, creators I saw online going, well, apparently I'm thanked. I don't know why. And I do know why, but I don't want to say. And But I thought, well, I hope that under this regime they get a little money for that because, yes, it's fair. And I think the same thing is I, I you know, I just think the creators should get something, you know, I but that's what we'll be. We'll probably be arguing this till the end of comics. Hey, and, can, we, can we talk about one of my favorite things to talk about, which is. Uh, lettering and and basically the the entry to this film which starts off with the clat with the current oh, yeah the current marvel lead in and then it fades then it, you get a will strike through the center of it and it starts fading to monochrome and then to black and white and then we go into classic universal studios um opening sequences that end up with a um you know, they they would do this thing with lettering where it looked like it was carved 3D, mm-hmm. setting on like a silken blanket or whatever, yes. with with interesting lighting, and they captured that so perfectly. They made the transition interesting, and then you were right there in an undiscovered Universal Studios. Why why movie. don't you do a, a font podcast on your own? Oh, I do it. I well, I do it in. <laughs> no, I have my one of my side. Pod, not podcasts, but websites is called Book Book Judgment. Oh, I know that. So yeah. I'm giving you that opportunity to say. Yeah, I, I'm just I, saying. And there is a podcast on there too. It's only one episode so far, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there, we've touted that BookJudgment.com. Check it out. Uh, where yeah. Rick, if you are, if you are someone who appreciates a good font, a good font, good paper, the good feel binding. of good paper binding. Oh my god! You know, one of my comic book choices uh, this week because we are going to talk about horror comics uh i picked up this weekend at son of monster blues in burbank and i went back the next day and i said i've only read a few pages but let me say it's one of the best smelling comics that i've <laughs> yes, read in a long indeed. time <laughs> and the guy stopped and went no i totally get that <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. everybody else in his booth was laughing i'm like no you know what i'm talking about if you're a real hardcore comics fan you love the smells. You love the smells yeah. of a good comic yeah. and a good book. So uh, anyway, yeah, I think we could actually just move to comics because I don't belabor. I want people to watch Werewolf by Night. We definitely. Uh, it, it just. It. I, I'll say my last. I, I guess my wrap up statement is: people are complaining about how this phase of Marvel is disjointed and doesn't have the. the Thank ca- God. Well, yeah, because the thing is, I had to. They're say all to, single issues. I had to. I had to say to someone. You know, that is the problem with phase one and two, that they trained you to think that everything was connected. And I thought, welcome to the Marvel Universe. You know, this is what happened in comics. There's, you don't have to watch all of it if that's not your gig. If you don't it isn't like, all just the Avengers. 
Like, I mean, for gosh sakes, let me say, with the Marvel Comics Unlimited app, I just noticed they had a Marvel Infinite comic. I was double-checking because I was reading the Marvel, the, the new Werewolf by Night series. And they have, they've revived Ziggy Pig, <laughs> for the love of God. You know, so new Infinite comics, because they realize that the people that are coming to this stuff, superheroes dominated... It's just not the case anymore. And so the same thing is with what, what they're trying with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You've got an outright horror film. You've got She-Hulk, which, by the way, still remains an incredible adaptation of the John Byrne run, particularly, of oh, She-Hulk. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. But it is a sitcom, more so than WandaVision, which was a dramatic commentary on the sitcom, using the sitcom form to make a dramatic commentary on a character. This is an out-and-out sitcom with dramatic moments, you know. It's, but that's that's the wild and wonderful thing about about comics. There's something for everybody, and not everything is for everybody. So, you know, I enjoyed this for what it was. I am revisiting. I do revisit Universal Horror every October, catching up on Hammer. And as we're going to talk about right now, what's in the bag? Well, we want to talk specifically about Halloween or, or horror-themed comics. So what's, what would be the first one you would mention? So mine was a was a incredibly fun accident that I even started reading this book. An accident. An accident like entirely. Yes. So you know that I'm, I do a lot of Kickstarters. I and do. I... I had done a Kickstarter that was, oddly enough, based on a prior comic called Mind, Ma Mind Management. Yes. MG MGMT. Have you ever read it? Uh, no, but I, they also have a game, so I assumed you had the game. Right. So, there, no, the game, is, uh, the game is in its second edition. I didn't order the first edition. The second edition was just too much, too much goodness to turn down. So I'm already involved in that. You get prog progress reports. And the guy who did the game based on mind management, Matt Kintz. Matt Kint, uh, who was the writer of Berserker for Keanu Reeves. Right, right. Um, did mind management. So the, the guy who did the game, his name is Jay Carmier, and he's got a co company called Off the Page Games. And so I got a notice related to that, that this game called Harrowcon Harrow Harrow County. Country. Harrow? Is it Harrow? Harrow, okay. because it's harrowing. Harrow County. The Game of Gothic Conflict. By and Colin so like, Gunn. I read yeah. Arrow Con County as well. I have I I I had not it had not been on my radar at all. I looked at this game, it looked really interesting. All the characters were intriguing. So I, I have to go back and read this book. And I'm in love with this book. I'm up I I found about out about this I think on Tuesday and up to issue thirteen right now. Um, I the the omnibus editions are available to anyone on Comixology Unlimited. Uh, this is a, uh, I love a got Southern Gothic horror. Um, and it's and, from, and we should say it's from dark horse. Yep. You know, just call out the publishers. If people are looking. Oh, it's, it, it's dark horse. It's Colin Bunn is the writer and Tyler Crook is the, mm -hmm. the, the Oh yeah. I've been artist. I've, I have been a reader of Harrow County for a while and, uh, you know, it, it is, it is great, and Cullen Bunn is one of those writers that maybe not a household name, but uh, he is. I mean, he writes superheroes fairly well, but his love is clearly horror, and yeah, it's, he's great. The, the the characters in this are. I mean, if you've read, if you're like a Manly Wade Weldman fan, you know, Silver John and that kind of stuff, you can kind of see the roots of this. This in the old 
the old Southern hillside tales. Uh, but, but I don't find this derivative of anybody else. And it's so creative. And just every book is like, you get new characters that are, you know, just like, Oh, that's, that's disturbing and interesting. And tell me more. Um, the, there's one character that kind of reminded me his introduction, at least reminded me of uh, Stephen King's uh, the, the, the dark man. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I can see that. RF. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, just an amazing uh, at times really tender and talks a lot about relationships and things are this way now. Why would we dwell on why they got that way? I'm not going to, spo- I don't want to spoil anything, but there's something fundamental about this town that everyone should, or everyone who knows it should be very disturbed about it, but they come to peace with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just a great book. And it's definitely some of the more disturbing horror images I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How many books do you have? So I'll choose, it'll alter my choices. I, that's the only one I thought we were just going to do one. Okay. We're just going to do one. I do have, I do have a second, uh, a second holiday item that just showed up. Well so. then let's, let's, let's do both because okay. I realized I got two titles and I was having a difficult time choosing okay. between the two. And, uh, this is, so I did just go to Son of Monster Palooza and I'm sure the word is going to get around. This guy will buy anything just to try it. And, uh, you know, but I did, this is the best smelling book I bought. Uh, it was, uh, hot off the presses. I guess it was kickstarted, uh, but from an artist named Frank Acker written and illustrated by Frank Acker. It is a book called my monsters. And this volume is the broken toys part one. And I guess it debuted at son of monster Palooza and you can, uh, go to smashy crashy.com. And I believe you can order it through there. This is a good kind of weirdly enough kids book with monsters and though it's scary but the kind of like when you know you were picking up those marvel comics in the in the 70s it's it's thrilling not so much chilling uh and the concept is that there's this kid that is really into horror makeup and and you know playing and it's his his birthday and and his parents are san francisco you know tech bros company people and, uh, you know, this is the, they've forgotten his birthday, but he's doing that kind of like that scene in Harold and Maude, that opener where, you know, he fake, he was faking suicides to get attention, uh, you know, chopping off a hand at the, at the dinner table, that kind of thing. So he's he does zombie makeup. He's apparently very good. And meanwhile, deep beneath the earth, uh, apparently in world war one, the Germans got into this underground kingdom of monsters and they're still fighting World War One, and so humans versus monsters, and the monsters are are kind of losing their monstrousness, and they're trying not to, and they've had a, a prophecy that a boy, a human, will finally bring peace, and so this is a, a big long setup where it's, it's it's cinematically drawn, it's really fun. He has modeled many of the humanoid, shall we say, uh, uh, facets of the of the monsters who have both the humanistic form and a monstrous form, and their human sides are, are like a lot of classic movie actors. So Errol Flynn is uh, a major character. Stan Laurel is a major character. Uh, not not the real ones, of course, not named that way, but it's their their images and. Uh, 
definitely someone looking a lot like Sir Ian McKellen is is the monster toy maker, hence the name, the subtitle there, The Broken Toys. And, you know, that, that uh, it was just a fun, even though, you know, monsters, it, it, there are elements of all kinds of classic fantasy and, and, and horror, but again, sort of in that universal monsters, from our point of view, it's thrilling, not chilling. So I, I really, really was happy that I, I stumbled across this book. I, you, you're, what you were just talking about reminded me that DC has a World War II horror book going on right now because they got Sergeant Rock up against uh, uh, the Army of the Dead. Army of Darkness. Um, uh, the title's Army of Dead. Oh, he didn't have the rights, but Bruce Campbell wrote it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and it's not the first time Sergeant Rock's been up against the uh, the forces of darkness. Well, if you watch the animated short of Sergeant Rock, it's him, yeah. it, it's basically turns Easy Company into the Creature Commandos. Okay, okay, yeah. So cool. it, it's there's a short animated film which I think is on HBO Max, but who knows? Uh, maybe my very thoughts and memories of it will be wiped out by next <laughs> week for tax purposes. So for ta- I'm not going to go there. Uh, no, I, I did. David Zaslav will though. He'll he'll destroy anything. So go ahead. Um, I, before I forget, we will put a link to the Harrow 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 County. So stop trying to say it. Harrow 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 like harrowing. Harrow. Do you say harrow? harrowing? I uh, no. I've heard it's a harrowing yeah. experience. Yeah. Harrow County. Yeah. You Harrow Gothic Con. We'll put a link to the to the Kickstarter and then. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah. I, I would, I would get you know, and especially get it up this weekend, all day tomorrow. I am going to just be spend spending doing setting up articles and so cool. forth. So yeah. So the other, my other Halloween um, item arrived this week in the mail. This was another Kickstarter that I had backed, um, and this is this is hitting for me on so many cylinders. The game is called Vagrant Song, all one word, and it's the Bone Ching. A bone-chillingly spooky adventure by Weird W Y R D Games. Um, this is a a game. It's a it's a cooperative game. So everyone who's playing it is on the same side against the game, and you are all hobos. And I'm assuming this is like in the twenties. Uh, the styles and everything look look about that time. Um, but you're all hobos on a train, and it's there are three of these cars that are tied together. There are 20 scenarios where in each one you're on a haunted train and there's a different type of spook that you have to kind of figure out what's going to take for him to dissipate, to move away. It's not necessarily combat, but they all have their own stories and stuff. This is done in that twenties, uh, uh, car animated cartoon style that, uh, you know, Walt Disney used and, um, Max Fleischer and I think it, it belongs more and, to Fleischer or like uh, that over the garden wall. Yeah, there's an episode uh, of possible. over the garden wall yeah. which is in that classic. Well, there's a there's a video game called Cuphead. Oh yeah, that that really really assimilates it. So all the art is done in that style, and I'm just loving the the this this game and the thought and the beauty that has been put together in it. And I can't wait to get it to the table. I mean, yeah. I can play it by myself. You can play most most cooperative games as a solo player but i want to play this with real people mm-hmm. uh and by the way there is also a cuphead show on netflix yes there is yeah. the really short episodes 
thank heavens. They, I mean, not because I don't like it, but because then I can just, you know, take a bite, yeah. uh, a sip, if you will, of Cuphead at a time. Uh, so my other comics discovery, and this was recommended to me by Monster Forge's co-founder, uh, Shannon Eric Denton, uh, was discovered there's a, a publisher that is kind of, kind of, I guess, borrowing from Giallo uh, instead and paying homage to the great Italian Giallo director Mario uh, Dava by uh, Mario Bava by creating Professor Dario Bava, and so they've got uh, so they're kind of like '60s set uh, over the top uh, Italian cinema horror films, horror stories. And uh, I was drawn in by the title of the first of, of the first one, and I realized I read them out of order because I just kind of went on the stack. Um, it's uh, Murder Vibes from the Monster Dimension, and there is no better title I've ever heard. Uh, but uh, it's a Professor Dario Bava adventure, and it's drawn by Mike Dubish, who's been knocking around doing horror comics for a long, 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 long time. And... I'm, again, looking for where you can find it. Diabolic Films. D-I-A-B, as in boy, O-L-I-K, F-I-L-M-S.com. Like Danger Diabolic. And I was talking to him, and he said that's one of their favorite movies. So I loved the alternate cover, which was a little pricier. I didn't get it, but it had all kinds of... They were going back and getting poster artists that are still around from the 60s and 70s to paint their their variant covers and the text on the cover is an Italian for the, uh, for the alternate. And one, one of the things is it was, uh, in, I believe it was murder vibes from the monster dimension. Uh, they taught it's advertising demoni sexy. And, uh, I can't stop saying that to everything. (laughs) My friend James Denning and I were walking around all weekend long going, Oh, but is it Demoni sexy? Can you resist the lure? Uh, so I apologize for any Italian listeners who are offended by that accent, but we couldn't help ourselves. Uh, it is a loving thing. The sequel, uh, which the first volume is out, and they're, they, I, I think they're both kickstarting and available on their site, uh, as the name Orgy of the Blood Freaks. So I think you can understand why I read that one first. But uh, they, also, yeah. they also have a character called Gringo Loco, who's like a, a zombie uh, a spaghetti western character. And, you know, so, I mean, they're, they're doing some really cool stuff and, uh, I highly recommend if you can pick up murder vibes from the monster dimension or anything from the professor Dario Bava, B-A-V-A series, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm sniffing it live. It smells good, <laughs> but not as good as my monsters, the broken toys. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, but, uh, they're wonderful creators and, uh, we had a good time. Uh, chatting and, and talking with them. So uh, I, I really love to be able to give a little love this way because I had a lot of fun with these books. Not having seen any of the, you know, uh, Dario Baba films, but uh, I'll get there. I'll get there. Can I, can I make one more quick, quick uh, suggestion? So um, I just got on, I found a uh, reference to this that was kind of intriguing. I didn't know anything about it. And I finally sought it out, found it on, found it on YouTube. Of course, it should have started on YouTube. The lost skeleton of, of Kadabra. That's been around for a long, long time. Oh yeah. But I'd never seen it before. And there's sequels to it. Yeah. Uh, the lost skeleton returns again. Um, uh, obviously a send up of the 1950s, uh, 
horror films <laughs> and and amazingly uh honoring the but oh i know why it came up because the the doctor character in this looks like doc savage with a untorn shirt. oh yeah and very purposefully yeah. so yeah. uh yeah I, I i don't remember all the titles in that series but i i can tell you that every blu-ray is available at dark delicacies in burbank uh okay so i've seen them all lined up on the on the rack and yeah i you know it, that's if you you know again if your taste in horror runs to the cheesy, let's be honest. I did go through a brief period where I, I honestly, as much as I love it, got tired of the self-referential kind of films like this. Um, but I think that Lost Skeleton of Cadaver is one of those that stands up because within it, they don't wink as much. I've seen right. some bet you can find some very bad horror films on Prime Video, and but they're free, so you think sure, and you know it, it's they are clearly thinking that they're making a funny movie and the, the death of comedy is showing us that you think it is really, really funny. And, you know, <laughs> in acting like there's, I, I, I'll push away. There's a film called human, Witch that made me laugh as a concept. And then I watched it and went, well, it's, it's great. It, you know, it's good in its production value, but they are constantly smirking at the camera instead of, you know, taking you laugh at films like I've never heard a bigger laugh in a theater than uh, uh, an invasion of the body snatchers when there's a line near the end in the original one about, you know, when I, when he kissed his, his girlfriend and she was already uh, one of the aliens, one of the pod people. And he's like, you know, it, it, it just I felt a, a chill with her lips and everybody in college laughed because, you know, it just. It just came across funny, but was deadly serious and scary in the fifties. You know, you got to act like you don't know it's funny. Um, So anyway, uh, yeah. So I think that that's good. Uh, We've given some recommendations, and they uh, and you have time to get some of these these books. And of course, everything we've talked about, we'll have the links to the sites if we can. Amazon links to Werewolf by Night stuff, of course, and Man Thing. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening and. Uh, once again, if you want to join the conversation, you got comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to fan- editor at fanboyplanet.com. Join us on the Facebook page. Join us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. And that's all I got. So this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.